This interview really took me back to a phase in my dance career when I was trying to balance school and the dreams of joining a professional ballet company. I didn't even know where to start or who to ask for advice when I was trying to navigate this new scary world. There was a lot I didn't know, and looking back, I'm kind of sad I went through it in the dark. The good news for our dance industry is that there are now many former professional dancers out there like me and many others who are willing to help guide that next generation. I had the pleasure of working with one of those wonderful mentors out there recently, and I'm excited to share her advice with you today. Caitlin Sloan is a former professional ballet dancer and founder of the Brainy Ballerina. Here's my interview with Caitlin about mindset and finding intention in your dance career. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Hi, Caitlin. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you for having me, Chelsea. Absolutely. So in case people don't know you yet or know of your business, The Brainy Ballerina, will you please introduce yourself? Tell us a little about your dance journey and what that's been like for you. Of course. So I started dancing when I was 10 years old. I grew up in Michigan. I danced at Rochester School of Dance, which is um, a pretty serious pre-pro ballet school. Um, Grew up in the school I graduated from high school and went to college at Grand Valley State University. I got my Bachelor of Arts in Dance. Uh, From there, I went and danced professionally with Ballet Tucson for two seasons in Arizona. Uh, But I really, really missed the Midwest and being on this, that, you know, area of the country, I wanted to come back. So I uh, auditioned for some companies, but I got a job at Missouri Contemporary Ballet and I spent seven seasons dancing there. I also served as the director of the School of Missouri Contemporary Ballet while I was dancing. So I really got to hone both my teaching skills and my performing skills. And um, I retired in 2018. And since then, I have moved around a little bit. I'm now currently in Wisconsin. And since the pandemic, I just haven't been teaching. I had a kid around the same time, and I just took a step back from teaching. And... I started the Brainy Ballerina uh, more as just kind of a side thing because it was something I was passionate about and I was missing teaching and I wanted to give dancers these tools that I really wish that I had had. And so that's kind of where it came from. It's what I wish I had when I was a kid or a young dancer, I should say. So, yeah. So I um, started the Brainy Ballerina with that in mind. It started off as a really just a resource of principal resources that dancers can use like flashcards, terminology type things worksheets, history of dance, classical ballets, these kind of things. But it's since really evolved so much more. And now I'm really working more with dancers one-on-one, with mentoring, private lessons, just giving them the tools they need to succeed in their career. Yes. Which is so needed. And I know, I think you probably felt the same way that like, I was floundering through that phase of like, how do I, uh, what's next? How do I ask? What questions do I ask? Where do I go? Like there's so much. So it's so needed. I'm so glad that you're here. And I would love to dive in a little bit about like, let's talk about being a professional ballet dancer and like some of what that career is like. And I feel like being a professional 
dancer in the ballet world, especially is kind of this big like mystery. Like people don't know. It seems like this distant thing that special people maybe someday get to do, but like it's, it seems very hidden. So I don't know if you agree with that or do you think it like, why does it feel so secretive and hard to figure out what an aspiring ballerina should do? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a few different reasons for this. I think on the one hand, you know, ballet was made to be this mystical thing. And as an audience member, you know, when you're going to see a show, it's like going to the movies, you're stepping into this new place and you want to be transported somewhere new. So we kind of want to keep this mystique almost from our audience so that they don't see behind the curtain that they see this magical other world almost. True. But I think that's starting to change a little bit. I think that people want to see what's going on behind the scenes. And I do see companies, you know, especially with social media, taking the audience behind the scenes more and showing them what it's like to be a dancer. Um, so I think there's that side of it. But I think more so as a like student and as a professional going into that realm, I really think a lot of it is based on the fact that there are some things in ballet companies that aren't so great. There's some workplace culture things that, and in dance world in general, not just in ballet, but that's just my I tend to reference that because that's my background. But in the dance world in general, there are some workplace culture things that really aren't so great. And I think that these companies, they know that if dancers really knew maybe what something's going on, they might not want this job. Yeah, I bet you're right. They hide a lot of this and they don't want you know, people to maybe see behind the curtain in this sense. And so I think I've actually been reading this book called um, Upstream. I think it's by... Dan Heath. I'd have to fact check that. But he says this quote a lot that I've been thinking about so much in the terms of the ballet world. He says, every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. Oh, interesting. And I love that because I just thought it's so true. You know, we think the ballet is the way it is because it's just how it, how it has to be or. Yeah. How it's always been. Yeah. How it's always been. We're just, should it should just stay the same. And it's like, No, ballet was designed to be this way. You know, there's a reason why this culture is the way it is. And it benefits certain people a lot and really hurts other people a lot. And so I think that there is this, people don't want you to know too much because they don't want you to realize that, hey, maybe this should change a little bit. So this is really what I think is a problem because I think as a dancer, you need to know what you're getting into. You need to know what you're signing up for. It's Mm -hmm. a big career goal to have. And if you're going to work that hard for it and sacrifice that much for it, I think you should have some awareness of what it really is. Uh, Very well said. I agree. And I think you're right. There is, like you said, keep it behind the scenes, make sure people don't really see what it is until. And I also feel like for me, I always take the psychology approach to it. It's like, you all have this identity. And for a ballet dancer, a lot of times your ballet identity started pretty young, right? Like you're, if you're super intense, you are a ballerina by your early teens with this, you know, desire to work in that industry. And so if you get that far and you finally get the job and then it turns out you're like, oh, this isn't what I thought, or this culture is terrible, or they're beating up on me and my, it's like, but if I'm a ballerina, how do I walk away from this? If this is all I've ever known and wanted. So I think it, you're right. The industry as a whole is needs some major shifts. And part of it is talking about what's really going on. Exactly. Yes. So thinking about, you said that some of this, your, your business and some of your work now came out of like what you wish you had. So can we go back to pre-professional Caitlin? Like what, you know, what was that like for you and what would you have done differently if you had known differently at that point? I think that I would have asked so many more questions. 
I just really assumed that everyone had my best interest at heart. Yeah. You know, I think as a young dancer, you think everyone wants the best for you. They think you think they want you to succeed. And some people that's true and some people it's not. And I just, I think I assumed way too many things. I wish I didn't assume so much. And so I think it is knowing what questions to ask though, because I didn't know what questions to ask of myself or what questions to ask of other people. Or even if I did, I was scared to ask them. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be seen as like this nosy person, you know, sure. because there is this stigma also in ballet that you're so replaceable. Someone else will come to your job. If you can't just kind of shut up and put up, mm-hmm. someone else will. So, you know, don't ask too many questions. Don't be too nosy. Don't really think about it too hard. Just come and do your job and that's it. Right. And I think that's such a disservice to dancers. You know, I think about when I was graduating from high school and I was getting ready to audition for companies. And I remember I was kind of between going to college and looking at companies at that time. And I remember asking my instructor I grew up with, and I I think she's amazing. She's wonderful. She taught me everything I know. But I asked her, what companies do you think I should audition for? Where do you think I'd be a good fit? And she gave me a list of companies. Like, I think you would fit in really well with these companies. And I never thought to ask, but are they a good fit for me? Oh, yeah. Do I think I would, would I like dancing there? I never thought that. I just thought if someone wants me, amazing, I'm going to go dance there. I never turned it around and evaluated it from the other side. And I just wish that I had thought about things, given myself a little bit more power and control. Yes. Oh, that's such a good point. And I think academia is starting to do the same thing of like, you don't just pick a college because you want the name. Does the college fit you? And knowing that you're allowed to ask the question, I think you bring up a good point about the part of the ballet culture, like we were saying, talking in class is very disrespectful. So you, like I went through many hours of ballet class where you never utter a word, but then that kind of carries over to, you still aren't supposed to ask questions after class or in between, or, you know, you just, you get the costume you get, you don't ask about fit. You don't, you know, all of the things you just never bring it up. And it's so hard to be the one to start to challenge that, to be, especially as a young aspiring dancer, if this is your dream, you you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to say anything. Yeah. From a young age, it's so ingrained in you that this is how the culture is. This is exactly like you said, you don't talk in ballet class. You accept your roles without question. You accept your costume, everything. You just accept it. And I don't, not saying that you should argue about things or that you should, you know, I, I definitely, as an educator, I always talk to my students about like every part is important and this part is important and it's not a bad thing. And I'm not saying that you need to be argumentative with your instructors and that everything needs to be a battle. I'm not saying you need to pick every single battle, but if there is something that is really bothering you, it's okay to go talk to about it. And that's the difference is you can have these conversations and they can be respectful, but you can have them. And I think that people either think you're arguing or you're just quiet. There's nothing in between. There's no gray area where it's like, no, we can talk about things and we can say, why is this the way it is? Or what do I need to do to change this or have these conversations? And, but like you said, you're just trained from being so young just to listen and follow orders and never question anything. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There is an in-between. It's not like just because you bring up either a dissenting opinion or honestly, usually it's just a question of like what, you know, whatever it is, a question about the classes, a question about choreography, a question about um, costuming, like, and 
there's an appropriate time and place. And, you know, as the person who's often the teacher and the, uh, the one in the front of the room, there's definitely times when the questions are at a really ill time to drive you crazy, but there's a time and a place to ask the question. And if the answer is, it is the way it is, at least you asked if the answer is, okay, let's talk about this. I'm not going to change it, but let me explain what's going on. Like that's a win. Um, or you could start to really make a difference, but yeah, I think it's helping our young dancers learn the right time and place to ask questions. No, and I guess maybe even start with you can ask questions and you can do mm-hmm. it respectfully. Yeah, and I think that is the exact point, right? As an educator, teaching your students that questions don't equal disrespect because sometimes it feels like that when they question you, you feel like, well, they're questioning everything I've done, my decisions. They're they don't trust me. Mm-hmm. As I think as an educator, you start to feel like they just don't. Like you're like, I know what's best. I'm the professional here. They should just trust me. But realizing that they're not trying to disrespect you. It's not they don't trust you. They just are trying to understand. They're trying to gain a deeper knowledge and just putting yourself in their shoes and saying, okay, let's talk about this. I want you to understand this. I want you because then they'll go, oh, I didn't see it from that point of view. Mm -hmm. That's great. Or maybe you think, oh, I hadn't thought about that either. Maybe I should make a change in this part of my training or my education or whatever it is. Absolutely. And just thinking, I love that, that questioning is not being rude or disrespectful if it's done with the right tone. Like it's just genuine Mm -hmm. curiosity. And I think most of us as educators, we want the curiosity. We want them to ask, you know, where things came from or why they're like that um, in a respectful way. That makes sense. So for those young dancers, what, I don't know, what kinds of questions should we be asking? Yeah, I think as a dancer, you want to really be questioning exactly like we were saying, if this is the right fit for you. And I think you want to question yourself and look, really be introspective, look at your core values and start looking at what you want your life to look like and start asking the question, is this company or this job going to support the life that I want to have outside of dance and in dance? Because I think so often dance becomes our whole world. We have nothing else, but the reality is your dance career is going to be short. You're going to retire much earlier than the average person. So if your whole life is wrapped up in this and you don't have anything else going on that you feel passionate about, when you retire, you're going to have a really big identity crisis. And even if you do have other things, you're still probably going to go through that. I went through that and I felt very balanced, but it's going to be a lot harder. So I think it's just really questioning, is this what I want my life to be like? Is this how I want my, like from day to day and big picture and just thinking about you know, what is the schedule like? What is the pay like? What rep are we doing? What's the director like? All these things that are going to impact you on a day-to-day basis and impact you in the long run. Yes. Great advice. And I, so let's move into your time when you were professional and I always want to bring mindset in, right? That we always want to talk about that side. Can you share how you think mindset played a role in your pursuit of your professional career and your actual time as a professional? Yeah, I think the biggest issue with mindset for young dancers is that, like we were saying, you start dancing when you're young. And when you start off when you're three or four or eight or whatever, it's a hobby. It's something you enjoy doing. You're not looking at it from a young, young age as something you're going to do as a career. But at some point, if this is what you're pursuing, now you're shifting into a professional career. But a lot of times we still approach it like a hobby. So I think the biggest mindset shift that needs to happen and what happened for me was going from, oh, this is something that I love to do. I will take any job I can get. I will accept any terms, any conditions 
to saying, this is my job and I deserve to have certain things in my job and I'm willing to you know, bend a little bit on these things, but these are the things that are really important for me. And this is what I need to find in my career to be happy. And remembering that it is your job. You know, you are a qualified professional that deserves to have a workplace that has a culture that mirrors your values. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't like, you don't think about doctors or lawyers or whatever, insert whatever high powered job you can think of here. You know, they don't go into an interview and say, you know, I just really love practicing medicine. So it's not about the money for me. I would do it for any amount of money. Like, no, they're going to negotiate a salary. They're going to negotiate benefits. They're going to ask for certain things. And it's the same thing in dance. We need to shift our mindset into this is our career. It's our job. And we are allowed to enjoy what we do and also have a career that supports us financially, Mm -hmm. um, emotionally, everything. Yeah. And it it doesn't diminish the passion to ask for it to be you know, a job that's supporting you and respecting you. And yeah, it's like, it doesn't have to be an either or you can still show up to class because you genuinely love the bar, but you still deserve to have a job that's going to support you in, in all ways. This podcast is brought to you by Dancer Fitness. If you listen to the podcast, you know I often refer to dancers as athletes, because in my mind, we are absolutely athletes. But do you train your dancers like they are athletes? At dancerfitness.com, you can find hundreds of exercises and training plans designed exclusively for dancers. Whether it's for more consistent turns, higher jumps, or a stronger core, and from beginner to advanced, dancerfitness.com has you covered. Monthly memberships begin at just $1. Start training your dancers today at dancer-fitness.com. That's dancer-fitness.com. If you could think of a few like tidbits of advice to the listeners who are either thinking about Um, going professional, right? They're in that kind of aspiring, I have these dreams. What advice would you give those young dancers? I would say, like we said before, ask questions. Don't be afraid to find out what's going on. You know, find somebody who's been there, who knows the industry and ask them your questions. Use your network to your advantage. People want to help. I, I don't subscribe to this whole idea that like, it was hard for me, so it should be hard for you too. You know, I feel like yeah, these things were hard for me and I want to make it easier for the next generation. And I think that a lot of dancers feel that way. So I think that you'll find people are really willing to help. So seek out help and don't be afraid to ask the questions that you want to know the answers to. Don't just wait until you sign a contract, spend a year in a company to find out. That's a whole year of your career, a year of your life. Make sure that if there's something that's really um, a big picture item for you, this is one of your must-haves, Find out the answer to that. Some things you might say, oh, I don't really care about this as much. Maybe you don't care about where you live. Maybe you're like, I will move anywhere. Or maybe you really do. Maybe you're like, I want to be close to my family or whatever. But whatever the thing is that really matters to you, find out the answer to that. Mm -hmm. And then I would also say, look at what you want. I've said this before, but think about what you want out of a career and make sure that your focus isn't getting too narrow or too broad. Because I see a lot of the time dancers, they either say, I just want to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. That's their that's their career goal to be a dancer, professional dancer. Or their career goal is to be 
It's so specific. It's I want to be a principal of New York City Ballet. Yeah. And to me, it's like, this is setting you up for some heartache because if it's so broad, you might take a job that is not right for you because you don't really have an idea of what actually you want. If it's too narrow, you might think that if you don't get that specific job that you failed and now you're done and now your career's over and you're going to move on. So, you know, when a dancer comes to me and they say, this is my goal, I want to be a principal in New York City Valley, I say, well, what is it about that job? What is it about New York City Valley that you like? What is it about being a principal that you like? Are there other jobs you could have that would also fulfill the things that you want out of this? Just so you have options and you have other ideas of where you could be happy instead of saying, this is my ultimate goal. And if I don't achieve it, now I'm done. Right. Oh, it's so true to just think about your values. And I think this is something I didn't figure out well into adulthood. I wish teenage me heard this advice in thinking about making those big life decisions based on what truly matters to you and not what matters to your best friend, not what the social media influencer is saying. And frankly, not even what your parents highly value necessarily. Like what do you truly care about and choosing choosing the the path, making the choices about what job you're going to take or not take. And, and I will also say though, it doesn't mean that like every job is going to be the perfect job. And a lot of us will take that first job as just like, I needed a job to get started. Um, But like you said, there's gonna be some stuff you may not like, but don't bend on the stuff that's your biggest value. Bend on the stuff that's not as big of a deal if you need to. Absolutely. And I don't think there's any harm. And yes, you're, what I say is very idealistic and right now, you know, and I know that, but I know that when you're first starting out, yeah, you can't be quite as discerning sometimes. You do have to get the experience and you do have to start proving that you are ready for this workforce and just like any job, mm-hmm. you're going to have to work your way. But as you get more uh, experience, as you're in the profession longer, you can start to be more discerning. And that's what happened to me. You know, I am. Um, I spent two years as a trainee and apprentice in Valley Tucson, which was um, an unpaid position. And then I went to Missouri Contemporary Ballet as an apprentice, and I was also unpaid. And so at that point, I'd spent three years yeah. dancing professionally, doing the same thing as the other dancers, but not being paid for it. And I just got to a point where I said, okay, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. And I went to my director at my meeting um, at the end of the season. You know, you have your personal and you talk about where your future is and everything. And I said, you know... I don't know if I'm ready for a position in the company. I don't know if you think I'm ready for one, if you're going to offer me one or if you see me being a company member. But I said, I'm not going to stay here another year as an apprentice. I'm not going to keep dancing for free. I have reached my limit of doing that as a dancer. Mm -hmm. I would rather go pursue a different passion. If this isn't going to be the path that I have, I have other passions that I want to go pursue. So, you know, and, and that time it wasn't like an ultimatum. It wasn't me saying you need to give me a job or I'm leaving. It was just saying, I'm confident in the fact that I can't do this any longer in this way. So if you want me to be in this company, I will love to stay here and I want to take a job. But if you don't have one for me, I'm going to move on. And I think I hadn't before in my career been that sure of myself, but I knew that's what I needed to do. And and actually, and I did get offered a job and I danced there for six more years. But I think that actually me saying that almost was impressive to my boss because she thought, wow, she really does know what she wants and she knows she wants to be here and she wants to go all in. So I'm going to take a chance on her. And I think a lot of time dancers are scared to, Mm -hmm. to say how they really feel. But I think that that actually in that specific circumstance worked in my favor because she realized that 
I was sure of myself. I was sure of my values and that if I wanted to be there, she knew that she wanted me there too. Yeah. When you, what a powerful moment for you to know that this is my choice and I'm okay either way. And like, Mm -hmm. yes, I would love to have a job, but I have decided if that's not it, I'm moving on to the next opportunity and to go into the meeting instead of having the power be hundred percent in them to give you a job or not, like you've chosen, I have two paths and I'm okay with either one. And, and I love what you said before too, about having like too narrow of a goal, because then like, if your goal was, I have to have a job here, then maybe if they hadn't offered it, you would have felt like a failure instead of being like, okay, next opportunity, what else is going to fit me? So will you, I want to dive into that a little bit. Will you talk about success? Cause I think that's kind of what we're getting at of like, what is success to you and defining that? Yeah. I mean, to me personally, success is really intentionally pursuing the things that fill me with purpose. I have a lot of uh, passion for finding purpose in life and having meaning. And, you know, what really fills me with purpose is helping others achieve their dreams and get better at what they're doing. And I found that when I started teaching dance, I felt so fulfilled, maybe more than I ever had being on the stage. And it was a whole different thing that I was doing. And I know a lot of dancers are like, I don't want to teach. I don't, that's not for me, you know, and I, I totally get that. But for me, it was like, oh, this is actually maybe what I was meant to do was help other people pursue their passions. And, you know, I love teaching because I love being creative. I love problem solving. I love helping people. It combines all of my passions, but I haven't been in the studio lately. I've only been teaching like, you know, privates and Zoom and that kind of thing. And what I've realized as I've gotten older is that I also really value my autonomy and I really value um, flexibility. And that's something I never really had as a professional dancer because your schedule is very set. You can't just say, I'm taking a week off right now. Your your vacations are planned for you. You know, you have off seasons. And so, you know, just even today, we went on a spur of the moment weekend trip, which I never would have done before, but I can do that now because I decided to start my own business, which was something that I never considered being able to do. And so I feel like this is my version of success today, but I'm open to change. It might change tomorrow, next week. I'm, as long as I feel like fulfilled and I feel like I'm living my passion and having purpose in my life, I feel successful. That's so well said, Caitlin. I don't feel like success is an end point. I think that was the mindset shift for me that really helped as an adult. Be like, I can feel successful with that chapter of my life, but it's ending and I'm moving to something new, or I can feel successful even if I'm not like ranked number one at something or making more money than someone. Like it's about, am I feeling happy and fulfilled in what I'm doing? And that's going to keep evolving, which is kind of scary sometimes and kind of wonderful too. Um, How do you think others define success though? Like in the, in the ballet world and, and is that part of the culture problem? Yeah, I think so many dancers think to be successful, you have to be a certain rank, a certain level of company. I mean, I think dancers only think about the top like 25 companies mm-hmm. in you know, the US. And I did um, some research on this actually recently because I was doing a presentation because I, and I wanted to know how many companies are there, ballet companies are there in the US. And there was over 750 companies. Oh, wow. That's more than I would have thought. Yeah. yeah. Same. But there's just so many more options than you think. And if you think oh, I can only be successful if I'm in this company. And that's what I thought. For a long time, I kind of thought that I had failed in my original pursuit of being a professional dancer because I wasn't in one of these bigger companies um, that I had originally thought I would join. But 
when I look back on it, I realized that I really succeeded because I was, everything I was doing intentionally brought me to a place where I could, I liked being in a smaller company. I liked getting to dance all the time. I liked being in a culture where I was encouraged to take risks, Mm -hmm. to make mistakes, to go for it. I've never felt more powerful than when I was dancing with um, Missouri Contemporary Ballet. Like just the culture there was what I needed as a dancer to become the best artist I could be. And so at a time, I would have maybe thought that I had failed for not dancing in a bigger, more prolific company. But looking back, I succeeded on doing exactly what I wanted to do as a dancer and having the career that was most fulfilling to me. And I think that's the biggest thing for everyone is I think success, you should define success as finding something that lights you up inside, that makes you feel on fire. If that's what you feel when you're doing it, then I think you're successful. Whether it's someone else's perception of being success or not, that doesn't matter. Yeah, It's what makes you feel like passionate and and happy and fulfilled. Absolutely. And you get me all like fired up listening to you talk about that. (laughs) So true. Um, So I always love to turn it to something actionable. Anything, tips for the dance educators who might be listening. So like, how do they help aspiring dancers that they may be teaching in every day? I think for me as an educator, the best thing I've done for my students is treat every single student I have as someone who has the potential to be a professional dancer. I don't teach any student differently. I want them all to leave my classroom with the tools, with the skills, with the mindset to become a dancer if that's what they choose to do. And I think that's the best thing we can do for our dancers is treat them like that's that they can achieve that. And whether or not they want to, they can. Mm-hmm. I really think there's a spot for everyone in the dance world. I think that you can find your, if you are, it's what you really want to do and you are passionate about it and you have worked and you have developed the skill, there is a place for you and just finding your place. So I think as educators, it's reminding dancers that there is a place for them, that they can develop the skill and giving them connections and helping them network and, you know, finding people who can help them with this, whether it's sharing your personal experience as a dancer, bringing somebody into your studio to talk to them, connecting your dancers with your friends who danced, you know, just Mm -hmm. like we were saying, pulling back the curtain, letting them ask questions, giving them this deeper knowledge so that they can make these decisions for themselves, fully knowledgeable and feeling really empowered in their decisions. Yes. And I I think you're so right that if we approach the classroom that everyone has the opportunity if they want it. And then explicitly saying that to them and having that message. And even if you don't look like the professional ballerina that you see on posters and everything, like whether you don't, you don't look like them for skin color or gender identity or size or any of that, like there's a place for you if this is what you want, but you would, as an educator to approach your class with that, like, I'm here to give you all of my knowledge and the best I can. You young student, if you want it, no matter who you are, like, let's work, do this together. Yeah. And I think just making sure they know they can trust themselves. Mm. As a dancer, I think that's the biggest thing you can do is just trust yourself. You've been working for so many years for this goal. You know, most people, they don't start working on their career until they graduate from high school. If they go to college or whatever they do, you know, they maybe have four years and then they go get a job in this field. You've been doing this your whole life. You have the skills, you have the knowledge, just trust that you are prepared and ready and and you can do this. You, I think that so many just hold themselves back because they just don't trust that they are ready. They don't trust that they're good enough. But if you put the work in, if you spent your whole life doing this, 
you are more knowledgeable in your craft than many people are who've been in the field. Because if you've been trained to be a dancer since you were a young child, you're more knowledgeable than maybe some people are who just started a career in a different field like last year. You've been doing this your whole life. So you know what you're doing. Just trust yourself and go for it. I know that sounds a little bit like woo-woo maybe, but <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. it's going to change everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, such a good point and great conversation. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining me today. Will you please share with our listeners, how can they find you and your work? Yeah. So I am on social media at the Brainy Ballerina on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, You can email me, thebrainyballerina at gmail.com if you have any questions or you want to work more with me. Um, I offer private lessons. I offer mentorship opportunities for dancers. I also have um, a resource shop of principal resources on Etsy, etsy.com slash shop slash the brainy ballerina. And also in the show notes, you can check out my mailing list if you want to join just to stay updated on new resources coming out, whatever um, I have coming up, you will be the first to know about. Yes. I will definitely make sure all the links are in the show notes if you want. And uh, dance educators out there, Caitlin's resources are super helpful for you as the educator and for you to have a place to share with your dancers. So like start to think about this professional career. So thank you so much, Caitlin. I really appreciate your time today. Of course. Thank you so much.